Welcome to Health System CIO's podcast interview with Ray Gensinger, CIO at Hospital Sisters Health System. In part two, he talks about why he likes being a CIO, even if it doesn't always live up to the fantasy, the biggest adjustment he had to make going from CMIO to CIO, and how his team has been able to maintain low turnover rates and high engagement scores, even through COVID. We'll get to our interview in a moment, but first, a brief word from our sponsor. Your organization doesn't compromise on patient care, so why compromise on the endpoints you deploy? iGEL is the ultimate operating system for healthcare organizations using VDI, DAS, or SAS. And we're offering a free laptop on which to experience iGEL's no compromise OS. Just visit iGEL.com slash why compromise. So you would come from the CMIO role. What is it that uh, appealed to you about becoming a CIO? The, a love of adventure? <laughs> um, I'll start with the short story and we can go to the long one if you want it. Okay. Um, it really was the fantasy that you had a higher level of control than you might have in a prior role. Yet, you know, I changed organizations in order to do that. And there were many things that were make me happier in the new position that I'm in. But the idea that there's any more control is really a fallacy. I mean, Mm -hmm. you, you still have a lot of governance to work with and leadership and the hurdles you have to go through from a budgetary perspective. And you, you want to replace your secretary? Well, it's a tough year. You probably can't replace your secretary this year. Mm -hmm. Oh, you got 10 analysts. Well, can't you get the work done with eight that you get done with, with 10 and just start cross training them. Right. Right. (laughs) And so the other thing, So I went from being the CMIO reporting to the CIO. As the CIO in my current organization, I reported to the chief financial officer. Okay. So not totally uncommon for a CIO to do that. But that took Mike and I two years to have a level of confidence and trust in him knowing that when I came and said I needed to do something, that, that he would back me as well, me understanding kind of how I needed to pitch things, right? So when you're a CMIO, you're pitching the clinical and the safety. Mm -hmm. And while I could still pitch clinical and safety, I also had to be able to give the very detailed financial value points, um, which is good. I mean, in in many ways that improved my skill set tremendously. Definitely glad I did it. Mm -hmm. Oh, good. And as far as building that rapport, is that something that just took time to to get to know each other? Yeah, I mean, I just, I think so. You got to pitch, right? And and the things that I would pitching five and $10 million initiatives, you know, our Epic initiative was $113 million. And not just that I could implement it, but I could also do it in a fiscally sound way that wasn't necessarily the expertise of my predecessor. The departmental budget was was climbing at somewhere between eight and thirteen percent prior to my arrival, and and we've got it now down to three percent. So that says a lot in and of itself. We used to have you know huge capital consumption that's markedly diminished this year. Part of that is because things have shifted from capital to an operating expense. But as I started, um, I also said my operating expenses are actually on a lower trajectory than they were before. That's interesting too, because it speaks to how the CIO role is evolving just in, in those relationships with other members of the executive team. And, and maybe maybe a, the skill set kind of seems to keep evolving as well. Do you find that to be the case? 
Yeah, you know, I guess I haven't been doing it long enough to tell you, be able to compare it, you know, from the 80s and 90s um, compared to now, but um, was very close with my chief information officer where I, my previous organization. So it's 22 years now that I've been very close to it. And it is, it's, it was at first really just being successful at implementing, right? Get the things done and don't break anything, you know, keep everything humming. You can't run a hospital without your clinical infrastructure. So now it's about how do you take those tools and services and in fact, on one hand, make them transparent, right? So that people just see them as essential and valuable tools to to getting their job done to being resources that people want to use, right? So that's the optimization side of things. It's like, I collect pens. Why do I collect pens? Because during the first part of my career, I had to write handwritten all my notes, handwritten all of my orders. So I spent a lot of time writing. You know, now it's about how do I give people voice recognition and then how do we use ambient voice, you know, kind of the, you know, Alexa or Hey Google or Hey Epic or, or, or whatever, you know, what's the next iteration of what that's going to be. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, you want to get online and you want to figure out what doctor you want to see. And if you want to peruse all the calendar and when they're available and you want to schedule your appointment. And then I can push a note out to you and say, here, fill out all your pre-visit paperwork online. Great. I mean, that everything that I can do to make you, the consumer, want to do these things, the better, right? That's, that's all work I'm taking off the backs of, of my own staff. And people want to do it. It's one thing, and you know, I say, if, if you're a 90-year-old patient and you're not comfortable on your computer or your smartphone or whatever, absolutely. You got to be able to pick up the phone and a caring individual has to answer that phone and walk you through the steps and make sure that they're successful. But if you're a busy 25-year-old mom who's trying to juggle two kids and a job and a family and they just want to be able to have a browser open over here while they're doing something over there, then I want to be able to make them just as successful as, as the 90 year old. It's interesting. In talking about your own teams and what you mm-hmm. look for, what do you consider to be really important attributes? Like what do you consider to be most valuable? You have to be a listener. That's the very first one. If you're talking, you're not learning. And so that's the, the most important feature, I think. You're in healthcare, so you better be compassionate. I preach to every one of my staff that they, when asked, if anybody ever asks them what they do, their job is their job at the organization is to help save lives. Mm-hmm. So I try and make sure that everybody understands job one, regardless of what I'm hiring you to do, is to make people's lives better. And so you have to have vision to be able to, to see that. We hold our core values, respect, care, competence, and joy very, very highly. And and so we need to look for and expect those kinds of core values to really be expressed in the folks that are here. And then for us, it's it's a caring mission, and we have a responsibility to, to the people in the community and the impoverished individuals and who we serve. And so 
you know, really looking for people who are more selfless than anything else in, in their characteristics are, are all the, the features that we, we really need to, to be looking for. I mean, I've been truly blessed because my leadership team, I have not had to replace anybody but my chief technology officer. I've had to replace my chief technology officer twice. And the first time was external and the second one was a promotion of somebody internal. So to, to give you an example, so I've been fortunate to almost be able to handpick all the people who are in my leadership role. And as an organization, we're changing our balance to say we want to grow 70% of our leaders from inside the organization and hire in less than 30% of those leaders. And, and so a big part of that is culture, but it's also making sure people are really bought into mm-hmm. what your organization's about. Well, the other thing we do, Kate, is as I have brought from my last organization in here is we start with internships. I, I bring in about 30 interns a year. And um, the, the point of doing that is to be able to give usually undergrads, you know, a chance to begin to be exposed and then they get a foot in the door and then I get them started on the desktop or I get them started in help desk. And then after they've been there for a while, then they, they, you know, they get to become an analyst. And we've got the woman I was hanging out with the other day at one of our parties, 35 years, she's worked in the organization. And it's not uncommon for me to have people on my team that have been in this organization 40, 40 plus years. It's just incredible. They're an analyst on the HRIS system today, but they started Wait, you know, washing tables when they were 16 and in high school. That's great. I bet you have a whole lot of other people coming to you now saying, how are you holding on to people? You know, we, we, two things. One, we've got the lowest turnover in the, in the company. Number Mm. two, um, we've got the second highest engagement scores in the company. And third, during the great resignation back in the fall. Yeah, we got hit pretty hard. Uh, a number of uh, individuals from the, uh, from our teams jumped. So October, November, and the beginning of December, we it was bad enough that my leadership team was like, the ship is sinking. We held tight. We've kind of rode it out since January. We're right back at, we turn over about 7% oh, wow. of our, our staff is on average per year. So we're right back in that number. Yeah. So just a couple of people, I think, that were ready. I mean, I, I don't, I don't blame anybody who leaves the organization. They, they need to make the decisions that are important. And if they need money, or if they need flexibility, or they need something different, then more power to them. I, it's my job to help them be successful, whether it's in my organization or it's in somebody else's organization. Great. I think I'm running out of time, so I should probably let you go. But um, this is great. We got to cover a lot of areas, so <laughs> I really your time. And if you have any questions, contact me anytime. Well, thank you very much, Kate. I'm glad uh, we were able to get together. Sorry about, I think I had to reschedule you a couple of weeks ago. It just turned into an ugly day and I needed the time. So I appreciate it. Oh, I get it. That's the world. (laughs) That's the world. All righty. All right. Well, thanks so much. And I'll be in touch. All right. Enjoy your Monday. Take care. Thank you. You too. Thank you for listening to this podcast from healthsystemcio.com. To hear other podcasts, visit our website or subscribe to our account in iTunes at healthsystemcio.com backslash podcast.